At the T-minus three-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. OMMLP operating out of Burlington, Vermont, 105.9 the radiator is the rocket shop supported in part by an award from the Burlington City Arts Community Fund. I'm your host, Tom Proctor. With me tonight is Don Sheldon, presenter and advocate for the Folk Alliance Festival. Good evening. Good evening. I, I, uh, did, did I get the... the well, it was close. It was close. I mean, I'm Valley Stage Productions, and I happen to be one of many presenters and artists and managers and agents that were at Folk Alliance in Kansas City this past weekend. I see. Well, um, and you, you mentioned Valley Stage Productions. We have had you on, uh, I believe it was in August, to talk about your, uh, your festival that you hosted at your house, I believe. You used to do that. You used did to that, do that. did that for 10 years. Yeah. And... Um, and while we were here last time around, you did tell me about this fantastic folk festival that you go to once a year, the last four days, and it's in a hotel, and it sounds like something out of Hotel California. Um, so please explain to me what, what this, uh, this festival is about. Well, it's actually a conference. Mm. Um, folk Alliance International has been putting on this conference for 30 years. This is actually the 30th year anniversary. And it's grown from like 130 people to what it is now, and it's now reached beyond the U.S. and Canada, which is what it had been for a long period of time to include South America, Europe, all over the world. There were people playing there. And the idea is to bring together all these talents to be showcased in a way in which they can be viewed, approached, possibly book some gigs as a result of playing in front of people who were there from the Philadelphia Folk Festival, from Club Passim, from Cafe Lena, from all the clubs and venues that you as an artist, an emerging artist, want to play. Mm-hmm. So they're all together in one place, and it's kind of insane. Um, they have what are fo- called official showcases, of which there's 190 of them, that take place in conference rooms on the first floor of the hotel, and there's only nine of those going on simultaneously at any given time. And those are kind of a select group that are vetted through what process. I'm not quite sure, because quite often you find what I'll tell you about in a moment to reveal these diamonds in the rough mm-hmm. that you wouldn't know about otherwise. Um, and the ones who make it to the official showcases, you're kind of like, really? Yeah. I don't, you know. So a bit of black magic, a bit of nepotism, maybe. Well, you, you know, it's ironic. Um, there are actually a few artists that were there this year who have substantial careers already, mm-hmm. and you're wondering, why are they doing these? I don't want to get in trouble with anybody, so I won't name names. But, but uh, More of a vanity project at this well, point, which is such a prestigious event. I, you know, I don't know. I know in one instance it was an artist who had a career previously, mm-hmm. and he was reinventing himself, and he was really trying to come under the aegis of Americana trad bluegrass, whereas previously he was pop rock. Mm-hmm. And... He's in his late 50s, early 60s now, and I was going to stay away, and actually somebody said, no, you ought to give him a shot. He's really reinvented himself, and he's really done something genuine, and he's writing great songs and stuff. So I cut him some slack, but there was somebody else there that, uh, you know, I was thinking, why is he doing this, and who can afford him anyway? Mm-hmm. You know, because he's playing for places like me mm-hmm. here in Vermont and whatnot, and... Um, 
and quite frankly, you're there, you're there to do business. Um, one of the things that I find real important to maintain is that you're there to be educated, not just to be entertained. So a lot of people go and you see them seeing all the artists that they already know. And it's kind of like a cheap ticket to hear a bunch of great music that mm-hmm. just reinforces what you already knew. And I'm like, come over and hear these guys, you know? And there's some great stuff that just comes out of nowhere. Um, and I actually mentioned one artist in particular that only had like, well, let me continue. So these official showcases happen between like 6 and 10 at night, and they're for three nights, and there's 195 of them. And you try to navigate which ones you want to see. They overlap, so sometimes you're going from this room to that room, two songs, three songs, whatever. So in a way, it's kind of like a music festival, but in a hotel. Right. Over the course of four days. Right. With, with how many? 400 artists. 400 artists. How many, how many viewers? How many, how many? Well, there's 3,000 people in total. Okay. And, so, and the 400 artists, by the way, could be, one artist could be a band. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. probably a collection of close to 1,000 musicians. So to me, it sounds like a vertical festival with, uh, with people that probably smell slightly better than your average festival goer. One would hope, <laughs> yes. Um, but, but with the intention to bring these artists into uh, the viewer's hometown, and, and I'm assuming the viewers that are going, as you said, are, are more there for business-related purposes. So they're, they're scouting bands. Exactly. And, and solo artists to, uh, to play either their, their uh, institutions or institutions they're linked to. Sure. Okay. Yeah, so you'll have the Calgary Folk Festival... There are people there from um, Telluride. Um, there are people there from all over the country. And actually, it was ironic because I remember looking and saying, how come so-and-so's not here? How come so-and-so? There's, um, there's an element to it that's a little overwhelming and exhaustive. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have workshops in the morning, which are business-related stuff, where they'll have something that they refer to as called um, On the Griddle, which is an artist comes in, submits a CD, picks a song, and there's five people who are DJs, national DJs, who essentially give you feedback mm. based on the first minute of your song. Nine times out of ten, that song never gets to the bridge. Oof, ouch. You know? Yeah. And so it's like you're kind of... Huh, huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if it's a good one. Right. It gives you that taste, but then takes it away. Um, it, it, again, from the sounds of it, it, I almost get in my head a picture of... Um, like those markets that happen at three o'clock in the morning where only wholesale buyers turn up and they get the freshest fish or the best flowers. You know, you see documentaries above them in, in, right, right, in right. Japan. But it, rather than that, the commodity is, is folk music. Right. And so it's all these wholesale buyers of folk music turning up to get the fresh catch. That's true. In fact, that to me is the best thing is to find an artist, as I mentioned earlier, who, who doesn't have an agent yet. I mean, nothing makes me happier than be thrilled by an artist and go online and go to the contact and it's like they're booking their own shows yes <laughs> so, so you say you know you want to be finding these diamonds in the rough what's what's your real purpose then uh, so you go there as obviously an avid folk fan right um, but you are looking you are scouting yourself what criteria are you looking for beyond just 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 uh, individuals that haven't you know quote unquote made it yet this is kind of a general way that I describe to people and you're inundated by artists and agents who are like, you know, come listen to my... Um, and this is rather, uh, not vacuous, but it's, it's not very specific, and that is take me someplace I haven't been. 
and be genuine about it. Mm -hmm. And that usually gets my attention. Um, you know, you don't have to play a particular instrument. I will say this personally: um, I'm not a I'm not a traditional bluegrass fan, but I love bluegrass instrumentation with the artist's own voice. Um, so the Punch Brothers are an act that interests me. Um, I booked a band a number of years ago called Joy Kills Sorrow. A number of those players have gone on to quote unquote bigger and better things, but they were all these Berkeley kids that had a, a voice of their own, and yet. You'd hear the intermixing of mandolin, fiddle, viol you know, um, upright bass guitar. And um, so that's kind of what gets me, um, gets my attention initially. But then I mentioned this guy, Sam Ryder, who was playing accordion. I didn't anticipate that uh, Sam would get my attention, but ironically enough, he was playing with a lot of these bluegrass guys that I know, and it was this phenomenal synergy. Um, I think that's one of the things that, I always anticipate is I go there with the best of intentions, but uh, the serendipity that happens when you're wandering around the halls uh, undermines like 40% of that. Mm -hmm. um, you never see everything or hear everything that you'd wanted to. Um, and it's exhaustive. It's, um, do, do you sleep in those four days? Well, yes. Ironically enough, I got, I got a fever Friday night and I was, well, I had this whole length of stuff that I'm saying, got to see this, got to see this. And I could feel it coming on. I'm like, go to bed <laughs> and I did and I felt a lot better and I was fresh the next day um, but um, it's there's this tribal thing going on and yet you're being complicit with people that are two generations younger than you mm -hmm. and um, I'm still here it is Wednesday is that what it is Wednesday uh, I believe so yes I always joke with people I said I'll be home Sunday don't call me till Thursday <laughs> it um it takes a lot to recover from it, and it's invigorating, and it's exhaustive. It's like adrenaline versus exhaustion, and you keep getting these second and third waves. I'm kind of enjoying uh, having you on so, so soon afterwards, actually, because when, when I remember you speaking about it last year, it, it had obviously been several months, and so hearing all this fresh is, uh, is, you know, <laughs> is the best way to get the information. Um, so you're looking for these, these, as you said, diamonds in the rough. And I'm going to listen to one of them in a second. Um, uh, Sam Ryder, as you mentioned, an accordion player. Um, but out of 300 artists, how do you even begin to go about picking what, I don't know, 50 that you can you know, feasibly squeeze into this weekend? You know, it, quite ironically, you don't. Um, I put together these spreadsheets, and they post how many... The artists can get anywhere between two and 14 showcases, depending on how aggressive they are in advance. And um, I will put down the artists that I know I'm only going to have one chance to see. Mm -hmm. And that'll become a priority to see them at that point in time. But otherwise, you just try to get in as many as you can. And when you take a look and the dust has settled at the end of the weekend, you realize, well, I did my best. And uh, it was funny. We were actually talking to presenters about the navigation process of the private showcases that start at 10 o'clock at night and go to 3 o'clock in the morning. And um, there's banks of elevators and there's stairwells. And there's part of me that's like, you're going to have to release the fact that you're not going to see all this stuff. So let's just, let's just relegate ourselves to one part of a stairwell, you know, and just go up and down that and know that you're going to be up in there quickly. You're going to see an act and it's going to be an act you're going to like and you don't have to navigate too down. You know, it's, it's best laid plans of mice and men, but it's... Um, it's uh, it's it's 
it's amazing. And again, everybody has their own individual criteria to determine. I will say that I will stay away from Macs, even if I like them, if they're not ones that uh, I know I can present. Mm. Um, I have this concert series that I do in a church in Richmond, and I am having Session Americana there in April, which is a sextet. But usually quartet trio is as big as I want to go. I just love those guys, so we're going to bring them out. Um, but I wanted to touch upon the fact that one of the main reasons uh, I came in tonight was to talk to people about the fact that next year it's going to be in Montreal. So for those in the Burlington area, it's right up the pike. Uh, you may want to go to the website, which is uh, folk.org, and check it out. It, um, you'll see the remnants of what just happened, but it's already posted mm-hmm. for next year. And um, you might want to take a look at um, what's involved in getting up there. But the fact that we're this close, you don't have to fly, mm-hmm. which I did. And you may have friends, and you can crash yeah. with them because the, uh, the cost of staying in the nice hotel, although being there on the spot mm-hmm. and being able to move freely, you know, I'll be right back, I'm going to grab something. Yeah. It definitely is an advantage to that. Um, I also would just like to touch upon, there's a regional Folk Alliance gathering in Stamford, Connecticut that takes place in November, and it's known as NERFA, or Northeast Regional Folk Alliance. And it's focused primarily on New England, Pennsylvania, New York, and Ontario. Mm. So you get the same faction of people, but it's a little more manageable. Mm. Um, Although, ironically, further away than the... Ironically, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> the, the actual global one that's happening in Montreal next year. Right. Um, well, let's go ahead and listen to, uh, to this, this first artists you recommended um do you want to give a little bit of background about sam Ryder before we, we listen to him well the i didn't know it at the time but it made sense he was in a band called the amigos and they were a three-piece band that played like mariachi type stuff and it was very kind of novel to a degree it was fun and nobody else is playing anything like him again he's one of the berkeley uh kids from boston and they turn out some incredible players and um this particular show was interesting because I'd seen some videos of his with a completely different ensemble and then he shows up with these other guys all of whom I knew three of the four that were backing him up and I was like these guys are the deal and sure enough he was able to reproduce the same energy the same sound that he had in the videos I'd seen and I actually approached him about possibly coming up here and I said so if I book you 12 months out who's going to be playing because these guys all have projects of their own he goes don't worry I got a lot of a lot of people to draw from so um Found him very exciting. Uh, I have a cardinal rule of not going to more than one show of any artist, but I went to three of his. And oh, I re- wow. Yeah, I, I couldn't <laughs> you, stay you away. Really, you really destroyed that cardinal rule, this oh, guy. Well, I kept on dragging friends. You got to come see this guy. You got to go see <laughs> So anyway, this is a song of his called, um, what is it? Dogs, dog Swamp Hobble? Swamp Dog Hobble. Swamp Dog Hobble. Is what I've got here. Give it a ride. So Sam Ryder and uh, Swamp Dog Hobble.
that was Sam Ryder there with Swamp Dog Hobble um, with me. As I've said, is Don Sheldon, who saw him on the weekend at the uh, at the uh, Folk Alliance International Festival conference. Conference. Yeah. My apologies. Um, and uh, Sam there uh, uh, broke Don's cardinal rule of only seeing uh, seeing a band once. Done saw him three times, and uh, you can kind of hear why. I mean, the energy that man is producing is insane. It's incredible, and the joy that he has. He's so genuine. He just he was just like playing off everybody and having a blast. He was like a kid in a candy store. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I could imagine. And uh, and so I'm guessing you approached him after the gig and tried to get him up here. Um, How successful you been so far? We uh, we talked after the show. And, you know, I did all I could do to you know drool on him and he was so freaking great but then we talked um, yesterday I think uh, on the phone and we just talked speculatively about some opportunities that might be up here nothing's been written in stone yet Um, I actually have this series that I do in Richmond and I'm booked from um, September through March of 19 and I have one slot available in April I just do September through April. Mm-hmm. But as I'd mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm trying to form relationships with other venues in the area that would be partnerships outside of the normal stuff that I do. And there are some places that, shall we say, are uh, more well endowed financially than others and are in a position to maybe mm-hmm. bring in somebody like him, who I think he's, he's actually currently weighing who to go to as an agent for booking purposes. And he was asking me some feedback and stuff. And um, as soon as that happens... Everything triples. Yeah. Uh, you have to pay the agencies for a start. you got to pay the agencies, and the agencies are pounding the payment and trying to make, you know. I mean, I remember, I remember, and I won't name names, but there's a, a festival down in um, North Adams, Mass, at Mass Mocha, mm-hmm. and it's called Fresh Grass. And Berkeley School of Music is very involved there. And in addition to the main stages, they have these pop-up stages, which are for, again, the emerging artists that are just coming out. And I saw this one artist at the time that... I just booked her on the spot. Mm-hmm. I was just like, let's do this. And she didn't have an agent yet, and I got her for a really good price. And um, she actually just won a, like a, the equivalent of a MacArthur grant, you know, to just continue to yeah. do her art. And she uh, also won the IBMA Guitar Player of the Year. She's an amazing player. And um, so I asked her, I said, so what did you get paid by Berkeley to, to do that little pop She goes, 100 bucks. Come on, Berkeley. <laughs> well, the idea is, and there's a, there's another festival actually for those people who are bluegrass fans. You should be aware of this down in Manchester, um, Vermont. I just happened upon a couple of weeks ago. It's going to be the Green Mountain Bluegrass Festival. Sick lineup of people they've got. And I was saying this is an opportunity to have a pop-up stage kind of scenario where you can find emerging artists who will come and play in that setting, knowing they're being seen with all these other great artists. Yeah. So there's a little different reciprocity at this yeah, point in their I career. Yeah, a bit of a quid pro quo. I say it's a cheap band, but at the same time you get that exposure that you otherwise wouldn't get. You wouldn't get it. Mm. You wouldn't get people... You, they, I can't imagine how many people they're going to have in that space, but it's got to be, you know, 7,500 at least, I would imagine, and uh, it's a good place to be seen. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I suppose this, this kind of draws me to my next question. Of, uh, what would you define your role is? in bringing these artists in? Because as you said, you don't have a brick, brick and mortar venue. Right. You used to have a festival that went on for 10 years. Right. That's, that's now ceased to be. Don't do that anymore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you just bring these guys up to play in your living room. What's the deal? 
Well, I, I do have this concert series at the Richmond Congregational Church in Richmond. It seats 175. It's acoustically phenomenal. Um, that's a series called PM Sundays. It takes place once a month between September and April. And it's 4 in the afternoon, 5.30 on a Sunday. and It's great. And I will continue to do that until I drop dead, I have a feeling. But um, otherwise, I've started to form these relationships with other venues that I mentioned before. And if I hear an artist that I really want to help in some way, and I always say that I'm greasing the wheels. I don't know exactly what that's going to be. But ideally, I want to present an artist in a space where I'm going to remove all the... the um, literal and figurative noise from their experience so that they can really fully appreciate you know, fully realize their art so if that's you know getting them the right food getting the right accommodations uh, take make sure the kids if they're bringing kids get mm-hmm. the babysitter whatever um i want to take care of all that uh, ancillary stuff that can be a distraction so um i used to work my background was in television production uh i worked down in new york for a number of years before i came up here so and I had a really, I won't get into detail, but I had a really negative experience once with a really minor thing. Mm. It blew the whole production. Oh, yeah? Oh, God. Oh, you can't tease a story like that. It was a commercial. Mm. And it was a commercial where there were two characters that had um, uh, specific um, outfits that they wore. And one of them was a bow tie. Mm. And there was a cast of 30. We had a crew, I think, of probably about 14 or 15. We were taking over somebody's front lawn for a set period of time, and that's all we had it for. Mm. And I went into the um, wardrobe suitcase, and the bow tie was gone. Mm. And we couldn't shoot this thing without it. <laughs> it's like the key element. Oh, my God. You know, it's part of this guy's character. Yeah. It's, you got to find... You know, and we had to send somebody for an hour out to the local, you know, and get four just to make and just to make sure there was continuity from the previous commercials that had been shot. So anyway, that was a good lesson. Yeah, uh, to, to to be able to support these artists without the distractions. Yeah, and give them the right. Give them. It's ironic. I actually brought. I got a strong recommendation for you. There's a band that's going to be doing a residency at the. Um, uh, the Light uh, Club Lamp Shop. Oh, I love that place. Cool. I'm going to give this promotion right now. <laughs> Wednesdays in March, the Stash Band. Okay. Insanity. Stash is Stash Weisslaus, great flat picker who actually plays in a great trio with Bruce Molsky, who's one of the best known Cajun Americana mm-hmm. um, fiddle players, who's got a great reputation. And that's his meat and potatoes gig. They just got back from Australia. They play all over. Mm-hmm. But Stash is this crazy guitarist who refers to his stuff as uh, acoustic metal. Mm. And it sounds like the mothers of invention. It's incredibly well composed, brilliant, hysterical. No songs more than two minutes. He just like gets it done on the next one, gets it done on the next one. And it's great stuff. And ironically enough, I booked him knowing not a lot of people are going to come out to see him. And I, you know, cost me some money but everybody who was there was so invested mm. and it was so cool when you strike a note with an audience like that I suppose with a, with a two minute playtime um, and, and doing, doing something as audacious as uh, metal acoustic acoustic metal yeah, yeah acoustic metal that uh, you kind of well you have a you have a fly or die really Either everyone tunes you out immediately or oh, everyone's yeah. completely engaged oh yeah there were people that walked 
yeah. and others that just were there. They got it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the risk you run. And I remember him saying afterwards, and it's funny because he has this kind of attitude when he's performing. He's, he's a great performer. And um, when he was done, he comes over and I go, dude, you know, these people, he goes, that's really encouraging because you can tell he, he realizes he's running a risk here and he may not satisfy anybody except himself. And he doesn't, his head's not too big. He's a sweetheart of a guy. And uh, yeah, I'd love to have you show up because I'm going to go to all those shows. I, I also wouldn't mind going to one of your Sunday sessions as well. Okay. I, I know we mentioned that last time you were on, but uh, well, I'll, I'll talk to you about that afterwards. Okay. Right? <laughs> anyway, um, so you, you, you have these connections for quite a few of these venues. Um, and so it, is it just a personal passion project for you or are you totally. turning this into uh, totally. to your second career? What's, what's your Sure, all the above. I mean, I was doing this before I quote-unquote retired from my, yeah. my real job. And quite frankly, as much as I hated the work I did, I did well, whatever that yeah. means. And it's allowing me to be able to be so kind of free-form in terms of the reciprocity that I get, which I never anticipated, but thank God. Because there's a lot of people who are, ma- are trying to make careers out of doing this stuff. And it's a bear. It's not easy. Um, the pressure must be enormous as well to find something that's commercially viable. Yeah, and not feel like in some ways as an artist that you're compromising your integrity or whatever. I mean, there's a couple players that I kind of caught early on and did some work with them. There was one dude in particular, and I won't name names again, who were unbelievable. We shot four great videos of them, and I shopped it to 95 venues, and 26 of them were like, I want these guys. And one of the guys had just signed up for a major touring band, and I couldn't get their agency to let me know what the schedule was so that I could place this project in and amongst it. Nothing ever came of it. So that duo and what they had done in that short, concentrated period of time feels like it ain't never going to happen again. Yeah. You know, it might end up being, you know, like like uh, actors who make these big Hollywood films and then they do independent films on the side because they got enough money that they can finally do what they really wanted to do. And I can only hope that these guys get back together. And actually, uh, they're both with major touring bands. One's with more of a traditional bluegrass band who's got a household name. And he's probably making serious, you know. Yeah. And more power to him, you know. Uh, but it's great when you see them outside of those and playing these projects that um, really speak to their their core. Uh, well, their, their, their true nature rather than the nature that they've been told is going to be more popular. Right. Yeah. And more financially beneficial to them. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very keen to listen to uh, some of the Diamonds in the Rough. Sure. You, uh, that you heard at, this, at the, uh, the conference. So I've got down here the Fugitives. The Fugitives are from uh, Vancouver. And the interesting thing about them, and I was really trying to help them out, is they've toured internationally for about nine years, but they never played in the States. So they came to Folk Alliance. That's a bit of a stop, isn't it? They're from from Vancouver. They play internationally. We can have a whole whole other conversation about visas. Oh, okay. And the prospect of getting to play in the States and what it takes and what kind of commitments you have to make and what kind of payments you have to make in order to come and play here. And yet you can pick up your guitar and go to Montreal tomorrow and make 20 bucks and come back. Nobody will say anything. Um, so it's a challenge, and yet they realize it's a double-edged sword because, you know, if you make it in the States, you're going to do, do great. Yeah. 
Um, Which is why you can put the well, why the government can put those kind of charges on the visas. Exactly, exactly. It's it's incredible, and you have to you have to apply. Currently, it's still ninety to one hundred and twenty days in advance of when you're going to be here. So you got to line up all these gigs, and um, but the fugitives really blew me away. Great songwriters, great harmonies. And I tried to introduce them to a few agents, and the agents are like, well, if they play in the States, no. Well, I'm not going to bring them on and start from scratch with them. I'm like, all right. I mean, I would do that. If I was still a booking agent, I probably would have taken them on just because I felt so strongly about them. But um, I went to a couple of their shows. I went to their formal showcase. I went to another, and they were fabulous. And, uh, you know, I told them, I'll get you a gig in Vermont, but uh, above and beyond that, there's nothing much more I want to commit to. so, uh, are they taking you up the offer, or is it just too much of a of playing of a here? To, yeah, in Vermont. Oh yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. They've got a record. They have four records out. They're on Borealis, which is a big label in Canada. I think Borealis is doing all that they can for them right now, and they have agent in um, Canada. I just don't know. Um, I don't know sometimes the relationships because there's artists here who play here, and they also play in Europe. But their agent here doesn't book them in Europe. They have to make a relationship with a European agent. And I've got to believe there's some kind of overlap in terms of the relationships that these agents have. Why they were not able to get one in the U.S., I don't know. Um, I, only went, I only got into the weeds so far with them. And then I said i got other things to do. But um, this is a great tune. And I was going to say I played it, and it's like they play the vamp like a minute before they get to the song. But uh, it's a song called... Uh, uh, bigger than luck or better than luck? What is it? Bigger than luck. Bigger than luck and greater than fortune is, in, is the second line. Um, you might want to give it a ride. All right. So fugitives there from Vancouver with bigger than luck.
Well, as long as the fugitives aren't listening. <laughs> well, uh, we thought that was the fugitives, um, and uh, Don did, did mention about halfway through that he thought it wasn't, and he was completely right. That was uh, Little Things by Patricia Julian, Patricia Julian Project. So uh, I'm afraid Patricia wasn't there. <laughs> so uh, never mind on that one, and uh, uh, if you are interested, the fugitives are on Spotify, so you can go, go listen to them yourselves. We have about time for one more song after this, which I'm hoping will be the correct one this time. Um, but before we go, Don, if you'd like to to mention the, some of the gigs you got coming up, sure. and, and maybe just talk to us a little bit more about the the conference, and if anyone wants to go next year in Montreal, you to go about that. You definitely want to check it out. If you're a local artist, you want to be ex- have exposure to every venue that's out there that you'd love to play at. By all means, you want to consider International Folk, Folk Alliance International. And um, also know that you're going to meet a ton of musicians, and you may form new relationships and new, ser- you know, new synergies. It's really uh, a wonderful place to be. It's exhaustive. It's overpowering. It's adrenaline-producing. Uh, folk.org is where you want to search it out. And you also want to check out Northeast Regional Folk Alliance, or NERFA, which takes place in Stanford, Connecticut, in November. That's NERFA.org, I believe. And um, it's a great place to uh, to make that hopefully that next step and that uh, and get that exposure you've been looking for. Does it cost anything um, for artists to go there? It does, and you need to go to the website to find out about it. But um, the there's different cutoff points, mm-hmm. and the first cutoff point is February 28th. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to take advantage of it. Um, it, I'll put it this way, it's almost half of what it is if you wait until February of next year. 
and well worth it just up the road um, is there any uh, Vermont based artists that are plugged to go already because uh, know, yeah well I you know I don't want to speak out of turn but I have a feeling that uh, the DuPont brothers will probably be going they wanted to go this year and they waited until February this year and they said ah it's a little prohibitive and I've been speaking to um, uh, Cricket Blue who I think will probably be there next year and, uh, and hopefully there'll be others uh, actually Anais Mitchell was there this year well there we go yeah so you'll be in good company if you do go go up then. Um, and as to any of the gigs that you have put on, uh, what's coming up for you? Well, one that I'm excited about. I had Joe Robinson back in September at the uh, PM Sundays series at the church in Richmond. Well, he's actually going to be playing two back-to-back shows. One in the smaller room at Higher Ground, and he's also doing a workshop at Advanced Music the next day. If you're a guitarist. Check out Joe Robinson. We'd love to be in his midst to hear him, if maybe not possibly pick something up from him at that workshop as well. And then he's going to go up to the brand new Highland Center for the Arts in Greensboro mm. and play there on Saturday. And that is a sick facility. Mm. It's unbelievable. And um, so you're going to have two opportunities to see him. I also have a show coming up with Robbie Folks at the UVM Lane series on March 2nd, which I highly recommend. Um, and then I have this wonderful uh, woman who used to be with the Whalen Jennies. She was in the original Whalen Jennies. Her name is Annabelle Shavastek. And she's coming with her trio down from Toronto. And name may not mean anything to you, but go to valleystage.net online and you can sample music of hers, find out more about the series, buy tickets there. And then I'm doing a couple of shows at the uh, Zen Barn down in Waterbury, one of which is with this great uh, sept- sextet? No. Sextet? No, quintet out of Halifax. Sunday, correct? The the my shows are on Sunday here in Richmond. Mm, Richmond, that was the shows down at the at Waterbury. There's a Saturday, uh, Thursday show on the eighth, which is with Hillsburn out of Halifax, Nova Scotia, and then on the um, nineteenth, I believe, is a duo from Berkeley again, Jenna Moynihan and uh, Mary Campbell. It's a combination of violin and harp. And it's a combination of Celtic and uh, classical music that'll be in the listening room down there. That's about it. Oh, well. Um, before you go, then, we're going to play this one last song, and we're going to get it right this time. Um, <laughs> and we'd like to introduce you. Yeah. Um, they actually will be coming here next year to the UVM Lane series. I think we're just waiting to get a date. It won't be until April of 19, but Hannah Sanders and Ben Savage are a wonderful duo out of the UK. Just gorgeous voices and um, wonderful energy about them. And actually, I, they got my attention because they were playing a song by uh, Richie Stearns of Richie and Rosie out of Ithaca. But the song we're going to hear now actually is a Woody Guthrie song of theirs. And I don't know the full title. What is it called again? Uh, uh, Way Over Yonder in the Minor Key. Right. Give it a shot. There, oh, they're sweet. All right, well, uh, Hannah Sanders and Ben Savage from my homeland uh, with the Woody Guthrie cover, cover Way Over Yonder in the Minor Key. Girl, you can't you 
sing like me Ain't nobody that can sing like me She said it's hard for me to see How one little boy got so ugly Said darling that might be But there ain't nobody that can sing like me Sing that. 